Good morning. Can you hear me? Oh, I guess if I look down, you can hear me. <laughs> it's very sweet in here to me. Um, I can feel the stillness in the room. It's very nice. We can... um, Sometimes we have to be careful with the stillness in the room because we can get lost in the stillness and stop practicing. Because it's so sweet. We're just like... So, but I digress. So we're going to start with a couple announcements here. One is that there'll be a sign posted, but we're just giving you a heads up that Lower Karuna is going to be closed on Monday night, starting tonight, from 5.45 to 7.45 for the Monday night Sangha, the Chaz leads. And so... um, these are just people from the outside coming uh, for their weekly sit, and so it's best to stay pretty much away from that area because it's not as uh, protected as we have been. Uh, I'm also late putting up my uh, practice meetings, and so if you believe you have a practice meeting with me, You should check the board to see if it's today, because it might be today. (laughs) Let's see. Then um, it's weird being in here also without having mass. And so, um, but some people do, you know, the masks are not gone, they're optional. So um, just because someone's wearing a mask, we don't want to give the impression that they are sick. Um, actually, people can just be wearing a mask because um, they feel protected. Some of us wearing those masks can help with our breathing, so we really feel the breath more. So uh, there's all kinds of reasons why people would be wearing a mask. It's, and, and not to fear masks. It's just that it's optional, and you can wear it if you want to. And if you have symptoms, you wear it. And if you don't have symptoms, you wear it if you want to. Um, and then I, so that's all the announcements I have. And then I have a practice question here I wanted to talk about in relation to the practice instructions I'm going to give this morning. <clears throat> the question is... Um, Any suggestions on how to work with memories and dreams? To date, I've been treating them as thoughts, but find them a bit more slippery and more changeable, uh, also more difficult. Uh, So they were just asking if there were any thoughts about it. I'm... I'm not really going to answer this question. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But 
I like this question a lot because this question is pointing to something that I think is a much deeper insight than just the specifics of the question. So everything that happens to us, everything, whether it's memories coming up, a dream, a thought, some emotion, why did this come up now? Everything, our walking, our sitting, everything at this point in the, rela- in the retreat, from here on, everything is complicated. Everything is much more than what it looks like at first thought. And if you pigeonhole things into a particular thing, then you can miss what's actually happening. In some respects, I think your, or all of our minds and our bodies are talking to each other. And they're talking in a language that we're just not used to hearing, seeing. So all of it is, um, as this person said, a bit more slippery and more changeable. Uh, it can be more difficult it can also be more enticing and you can get stuck in it, spinning in it. So there's a, um, a way I think I would note some things when we start in this category instead of thinking of it as um, Is this a dream? Is this a thought? What is it? But notice some characteristics of it. Is it showing up often? If it's showing up often, whether it's a dream or a thought, then there is, there's an energetic tone to it also. It could be that your mind has emotions and energy in the body that is not being able to be released, and it gets released at night when you're sleeping. So you're doing a lot of running here and running there and running, running, running. Keep running in your dreams. And it may not have anything to do with you running, but it has to do with the mind and body trying to let go of energy. So this this idea that you're seeing something else that may not even be clear is is what I want to point out in this question. The, the stickiness and the complications are what we want to see. A, a thing that I think I'm gonna, the new instructions we're going to bring in today is Vedana. And I think this question points to Vedana. Because Vedana is a very strange aspect of being human, and yet it's one of the kind of best things to practice with. It's both a mental function of the mind, meaning that the mind makes an evaluation, a judgment, a tag on every experience that comes in through sense doors, the mind, the eyes, the ears, the tongue, um, nose, the body. And so 
much of what it's tagging is it's just saying that's pleasant, that's unpleasant, that's neutral. If you think about it, just sitting here, there's sounds, there's seeing, there's smelling, there's tasting, feeling, all kinds of sensations. And all these things have tags that are put on by the mind. So it's very mental what's happening to us uh, uh, from an experiential place. But at the same time, it's very physical. So something feels unpleasant, feels pleasant, feels neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Or this kind of neutral, I guess. There's something about coming into relationship with this because as I'm sitting here now the cushion I'm sitting on feels pleasant I can feel it it feels pleasant but it's not the cushion that's actually feeling pleasant it's the tag my mind gives to it And so the mind says this is pleasurable. And so I think the cushion feels pleasant. But there are times I sit on this very same cushion and I don't feel anything at all. Doesn't feel pleasant, doesn't feel unpleasant. And there are times when I sit on this cushion, if my back is in a particularly upset state sitting on this cushion sitting on the chair it won't matter it feels the whole thing feels unpleasant and you can begin to see that is it unpleasant is it pleasant is it neither I don't know is it the mind telling me what it is and I'm believing it but it does feel like this is what it is it's very slippery Changeable. This uh, Vedana is also very somatic in that it can help you begin to see how you're leaning in or leaning away from some experience how we're relating to the experience. Because if you stay with the Vedana itself, the feeling tone of the experience, whatever it is, you can also begin to see that the mind will label something pleasant, unpleasant, neither. We then feel it. And then because it's unpleasant, We don't like it. We want it to go away. Or because it's pleasant, we like it. And we want it to just stay like this. Or if it's neither, then we just kind of ignore it. And much of what happens to us gets ignored. It's another reason why I think this question is pointing to something. Because the person doesn't really know the answer. And I don't know it either. 
But they are recognizing that something's slippery about it. Something's amiss here. And that amiss, that something slippery is to be investigated. We can use Vedana. We could use what's actually being said. We can sense into whether or not um, this is a direct experience or is this a thought about an experience. It's the something else that's most important to be seen here. So Vedana seems to be the the place where I find the most around uh, the most amount of intrigue and interest in looking at what's underneath experience. I'll give you another example. I didn't always know this. But I lean to one side. And I never really know that I'm leaning more on one side until something starts hurting. It's unpleasant, unpleasant. And then I can begin to sense, oh, I am like pushing down on one side. I don't know why that happens. But it used to be I would get frustrated because I'm noticing that I'm pushing down on one side and I'm like, why am I doing that? And then gradually I got more interested in feeling the Vedana of it. Just the felt sense of unpleasant and using that as a recognition that I'm, it's a habit that I sit this way. So I use that knowing as kind of disrupting the pattern that the actual Vedana is not a sign that something's wrong that unpleasantness isn't necessarily a sign that something's wrong it could just be a sign that you're noticing a habit an energetic habit that just happens to be that way So we can use Vedana as kind of like a a support tool to help us begin to sense into what's actually happening rather than just following the Vedana. I would get aversive and angry and irritated and I'd have thoughts of aversion and anger and irritation and I wouldn't understand why I'd have so much aversive thinking going on. Then I started feeling into Vedana and I began to realize that when I'm pushing down on one side, it's hurting And instead of me feeling into the felt sense of that, I would just start getting angry, aversive, aversive mind, angry mind. But when I started noticing that as Vedana, oh, I see what I'm doing here, straightening back up some, then I could loosen up that unpleasantness 
feels more pleasant and I'm less caught in the reaction of that unpleasantness. So this is what we're kind of looking at. It's very subtle. And you need the kind of energy in the hall now, in the the center where it's subtle enough, still enough, not so much movement where you can begin to look at things that are subtle like this. So Vedana can be this kind of um, warning sign or it can be some kind of a signal to tell you something that's happening. You can begin to see how you're projecting your Vedana onto other things. If you like the rain, we don't know why we like the rain, but if you like the rain, you could say, oh, so beautiful outside, the rain. If you don't like the rain, it's really your mind doesn't like the rain. You say, oh, it's raining. It's going to be dreary. And then you can watch how you feel all day. It's this, uh, this very sensitive mechanism that's happening with us. And we project our Vedana out externally. So we can also see how we're projecting Vedana into something that's otherwise neutral. Your eyes don't care whether it's raining outside or it's sunny outside. Just sees. Your ears don't care. It's rain or not rain. Still just looking for sounds. But somehow this quality of the mind's tag gets put on our experience and then we begin to relate to it, the experience, as if that tag is telling us something. If you don't notice the Vedana you won't notice what happens to us when this Vedana begins to, how, not so much when, but how the Vedana influences us. So the mindfulness of Vedana is helping us see how we are influenced by experience and the tag the mind gives to that experience. You might notice it when you're eating. Some things you think don't taste good. They look good, but then when you get it, it doesn't taste good. And if you come across something that doesn't taste good, see if you can still keep eating it. The mind's Vedana, that this is not good, makes it very difficult. Or like with me, I like tea with sugar in it. So I've tried to drink black tea without sugar. 
does not taste good. (laughs) But it's even more difficult to pick the cup up when I know it doesn't have any sugar in it. And you can see how controlling that mind can be when you have the choice to drink it or not drink it. You want to see how this Vedana, this opinion by the mind that gets tagged onto things and then how the mind controls the body in its relationship with it. So when we're mindful, I can pick up this tea and drink it even when I don't want to. But it's very difficult. It's equally difficult to throw away something that you like the taste of, but you're not going to eat the rest of it. And you'll keep eating a tiny bit more, just a tiny bit more. Because we don't want to throw it away. So I think it's brilliant that the Buddha realized this Vedana and how it controls our movement, how it controls how we are. And if we begin to practice with it, and it, it does require you to be quiet, less objective uh, or objecting to the unpleasant. You have to be willing to be with something that's unpleasant and have a soft kind of meta-quality friendliness towards it because you want to see what is it that's so unpleasant about the unpleasant? Why is it that we don't like it? Why does the mind want to push away from it? So we can investigate how the impulse of these Avedana feeling tones drive a lot of our behavior. And then I guess the last thing I'd share is that There's one other kind of aspect I've thought of about Vedana. Which is, um, we have a body that's full of bacteria, cells, all kinds of living beings. Very, I don't know what makes up us being as human. We have so many little beings in here kind of weird to think about. But they all have their Vedana too. <laughs> well, I don't think it's always me that wants the sugar in tea. <laughs> so if you learn to practice <clears throat> with this recognition just because something is unpleasant, you have to get rid of it. You learn to practice with 
allowing your interest to be in knowing a Vedana um, and actually practicing with this going against the grain, you, you can begin to see and interrupt this pushing, impulsive way that we move through life, this habitual pushing, shoving feeling that we have. And you might end up being able to see how you have certain habits that you formed just in the week we've been here. That if you start feeling into that pushing, pushing that you have to do this before you do that. You have to be here before you're there. And you have to do this before you sit down. I mean, every it's amazing how complicated and slippery the whole thing gets in how we're being. And we think we're just being right, but we're being pushed into this. I have to do it like this in order for it to be like that. And you can begin to see that there is a place of liberation in not following that impulse. That somehow we have a choice. And I've noticed that when I stop following the impulsivity of Vedana, something happens in the mind. It starts questioning itself. So, you know, you have sensations that are painful. Absolutely, I know it's painful. You stop calling it pain. Just start noticing the Vedana connected to it. Its description, its changing slipperiness, the Vedana of it. And you don't push it away. Have kind of a friendly relationship with it. Your mind might begin to question, is that pain? Maybe that's not unpleasant. Maybe that's pleasant. I made a mistake. It's pleasant. (laughs) And then we start enjoying that feeling. But you don't get caught in that either. You just leave it. It's not good. It's not bad. Mind will question itself and say, oh, it's neither. It's nothing. It's just a sensation. And all of a sudden, it no longer bothers us. So there's a way in which our mindfulness of the Vedana that's arising around experience can become this uh, interesting way to cause the mind to begin to question itself. And if the mind begins to question itself, we can see through it's little judgments that we can see through its impulsivities, its pressure. We can actually see the unwholesome roots of greed and hatred and delusion and began to actually have some liberation from all that impulsive pushing and shoving us to be a certain way. So that's what we're going to start practicing with is this Vedana. Get interested in it.
So we'll get it comfortable again and I'll give a little bit of instruction on it. Point to it a little bit. Noticing the body sitting here, standing here, having a sense of how it feels right now. Just sounds you're hearing and sensations you're feeling. Before you do anything, you can feel the Vedana of just this moment. And that Vedana, if it feels pleasant, leads us to believe this pleasure moment, this is nice. You can begin to get anchored to your anchor as a means to start your practice. Just finding your anchor and having a sense of being settled into it, connected to it, building a relationship with it so it becomes your go-to place, stabilizing place. Could be sound or there's the whole body sitting here. I'm going to use uh, the breath. But it could be anything that you're connected to. You can just notice Just the felt sense feeling of the breath. Maybe just feel the in-breath. You don't even have to stay with all the in-breaths. Just one in-breath from the beginning of it, the middle of it, all the way to the end of it.
you can notice if you can stay with another in-breath. Just keep noticing each in-breath. Just like walking. Stay with it from its beginning all the way to the end. We're just practicing steadying the mind's attention so we can investigate all the slippery nuances that go on with this ever-changing phenomena, experience. So just practicing, staying with an in-breath. You could stay with an out-breath. Just notice, is it more difficult to stay with an out-breath? The moment the breath turns to an exhale, can you stay there all the way till it's extinguished? Try it again. See how many you can stay with. And then have this sense of um, maybe doing both Inhale and exhale. See if you could stay with a full breath. If you use sound as an object, you can stay with sound similarly. You can listen to sounds that are up close, sounds that are further away. Listen to the duration of sound. See if you can catch a sound as it starts. Stay with it. Notice when it passes away.
There's another helpful awareness when you're practicing with Vedana, which is knowing something that's in the foreground and knowing something that's in the background. Because Vedana is always intertwined with experience. So if it's a sensation, it's both the sensation and there's a Vedana. And sometimes knowing what's in the foreground and what's in the background, we can learn to see something in its parts. You can notice that your breath can be in the foreground when you're really noticing the in-breath or the out-breath. Everything else seems to be in the background. Sometimes thoughts will arise and the thoughts can be in the foreground or a sensation will arise and that is in the foreground and all of a sudden your breath has moved to the background. You're still breathing. Still in-breath is still happening, out-breath is still happening. But the sensation or the thought has moved to the foreground. can practice bringing the breath back into the foreground and letting the thoughts recede to the background. This is kind of what we're doing with Vedana because Vedana is so intertwined with the experience that we're trying to see the tone that's all intertwined with the experience and have the experience remain. So there's a knowing quality that the sensation of my back feels like this and there's a tone to this feeling and if I'm going to investigate the tone I just want to put the story about my back and what's happening in the background and stay with that tone of whether it's pleasant or unpleasant Lastly, you might notice that the Vedana, the experience of it, 
it may be hard to hold on to one experience and then as soon as you begin to look at Vedana, it, it is like raindrops constantly changing and the mind can skirt around noticing some things are pleasant, it's unpleasant. You can ignore the neutral unless you turn your attention directly to what is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So this is all to be investigated. There's no right way to do it, no wrong way, no good way, no bad way. It's all interesting, however you get interested in this tone or quality around experience.
Well, we have time for walking now. Um, we really have a lot of time over the course of this retreat to get to know Vedana. It's not something you have to get to know right now, today, but over the course of the retreat, everything that's happening is telling a much bigger story. And so it's learning how to be patient with whatever's arising, um, whether it's a thought, an emotion, sensation, whatever it is that's arising, there's a lot more going on. And as the retreat unfolds, we'll talk about some of the dynamics that are going on, big, huge dynamics in our lives. So today we're just starting small. Take a little tiny piece of it and get interested in it. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.